0: and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. J Ma. Ma. Hi everyone, how are you? Thank you for joining another week in this portal of time. I'm going to take a couple deep breaths. If you can close your eyes, please do. Coming into your own body, your own sphere, your own space. Consciously. Allowing the breath to come in and out. Helping you to. Find where you are today. For a lot of us moms, we are doing all day long with our kids, homeschooling our corn, schooling our kids, or at home with our babies, not having a lot of extra support or help. And sometimes I don't even stop to like check in with my body until the evening. So I've really been trying to take these pauses during the day just to sit, to breathe, to feel my seat in the beanbag or the floor or my chair. Connect all my chakras, go through and do a little chakra grid out. Noticing where I'm holding tension, where I'm feeling open. Without judgment, just noticing, just bearing witness to where you are today. Because quite honestly, during this time especially, if we aren't bearing witness to our own selves, Chances are no one else is either, or not as much as we might need. So just allowing yourself to check in and to send yourself some real and deep love. I think that's such an important thing to focus on when we speak about self-care, because I know I've shared quite a few times on this podcast that self-care is kind of getting a bad rep. And it's kind of gotten cheesy and, you know, it's all about face masks and taking your time and getting your mani-pedi or, you know, going to the exercise class. But we're really sideswiping what true self-care is, which is what is your soul needing? What is your heart needing? What is your mind needing? What is your body needing? But on a really like deep level, not on the superficial outside level. And none of those things are bad. I don't mean superficial and necessarily negative way it's just literally superficial it's on the outside so right now especially if you are the full-on parent doing all the things how can you serve yourself from the deeper levels whether that's prayer meditation eating better foods taking the time to actually sit and eat not just doing everything for the kids and the family but to nurture yourself in the same, if not better way. And that takes self-discipline. It takes work to do that because we've been trained our whole lives to not do that as women. So um, just something I've been thinking about today. And I had a lucky day because I got to do some work. And that felt so good to come back into myself. I've been in such mom zone, which there've been so many beautiful moments and real epiphanies that have come through this time which I'm so grateful for and very blessed and privileged to have that experience and it's been so healing for me to get back into work zone in little snippets of course it's not how I fully normally am Um, but today I did two podcast interviews and it was so uplifting and you know fuels my soul It's, it's part of my calling so it's been so nice and My kids actually have been across the street at our neighbors who is a teacher and just for a couple hours. And it's been so fabulous because they too need other people (laughs) than my husband and myself. And, um, they're just like, peace out, mom. Bye. So that's been really, really exciting today. And, um, you know, we still don't really know what's happening. We don't know what this looks like. We don't know what the future looks like, but This episode has given me great joy, great inspiration, and I hope it will for you as well. We deep dive into homeschooling, talk a little bit about unschooling. It's a huge umbrella, homeschooling. So this interview is really just a means to get you into the conversation if it's something you've been looking at or something you're interested in, and then you can go from there. But this is kind of like the entry point, the portal and as I've shared, it's something I've been really interested in learning more about. It's something I'm very interested in doing with my family, even before the quarantine. But now through this time, I'm even more fired up to do it. And and we'll see. But it's looking like for us here in Los Angeles, public school system, from what we've heard, school will not be resuming per usual and normal kid in a classroom at school ways. Um. In August, I think it'll be a, a much different looking semester. So it might be the perfect time for us to take this chance and see what homeschooling is all about. But anyway, Julie is such a wise woman, so smart, just so many nuggets she shared. And um, all of the information will be in the show notes. Her website is braverider.com, www.bravewriter.com. Her book is The Brave Learner. And it's beautiful if you're a mom that has zero time to actually read a book right now. She also has an Audible and she does the book reading, which I love when the authors do it themselves. So I've been listening to that. And um, the Brave Writer website is a huge hub of information about how to start, where to start. The writing curriculum is the central focus of her homeschooling programs but there's a whole homeschooling alliance and support and coaches online classes and on and on and on so it's a beautiful resource to start and then go on your own journey but there are people that can support you through it and she created all of this because she homeschooled her five children who have gone on to be really interesting incredible successful humans and She's offering the help that she wished that she had had, which I think is the true case for so many of us women and mothers, right? It's like we want to offer other moms behind us the help that we now know, but we wish we'd had back then. I mean, that's why I'm a postpartum doula because I wanted to be the help that I wish I knew I needed or knew I could have had. So anyway, I hope you enjoy the listen as always sending love out to all of you. I am heavy into my coaching calls. I have been working some in home, but that will be phasing out. I'm actually getting out of LA for a little bit with my family, but I will still be doing my coaching calls. So if you're pregnant, postpartum, or on well into your motherhood journey, I am here for you for added support, especially through this very odd portal of time where week by week things are changing in some ways. And then a lot of things are staying the same and some things are even regressing. So, um, please reach out to me, McLean at motherthemother.com. It's M C L E A N at mother, the mother.com. If you'd like to discuss what that can look like for you. And as always, I'm open and into receiving feedback about topics you'd like to hear talked about on the podcast. You can DM me at motherthemother, mother. And again, always asking a call to action to please subscribe rate and review this show because it really matters and I have to get to a certain number I'm pretty far from that number um, but to really work with this algorithm and make this podcast something that can continue to build and grow and thrive um, I have to get those so please if you have a couple minutes do that I would so appreciate it you can screenshot it And send your screenshot to me, McLean at motherthemother.com. And in the next couple of weeks, I will gather all of those emails of those of you that have rated and reviewed and subscribed to the show. And we will have a free group coaching call on Zoom. So um, I would really, really appreciate that support. And, you know, we're doing it. We're here. Let's do the best that we can to keep showing up for ourselves and our children in our families, in our communities, and to be open to the spiritual work, the spiritual practices that can kind of keep us above the fray and to keep on surrendering into love and not the fear because the fear is so addictive. Our society is so addicted to fear and it is hard to disentangle from it, but you can, and I know that you can. So let's all rise up together and then actually have the energy and the bandwidth to really take positive action when we can, when all of this starts to open up. Sending love out to all of you, J-Ma. Hi, Julie. Hey, so good to be here. Thank you so much for saying yes. I've been so excited to have you on and I just found out you're an L.A. lady. (laughs) Yes, hometown girl. (laughs) Amazing. That's so rare
1: to find, I feel like, these days. Yeah, my dad has told me my whole life that his
0: biggest gift to me was being a native Angelina. Yeah, it's, it's very rare. Um, so there's so much to dive into and talk about, and um, I want to just get us going. Tell us how you started homeschooling, because I know you've been doing it for a long time. You've had five children, and you know what made you step into this new paradigm of teaching and learning?
1: Yeah, so back when I first heard of homeschooling, most people had never heard of it. It was 1984. I was in Spain. I was at a training for this organization that my future husband and I were going to join to work in Morocco. And the one of the team members said to my husband, well, not even my husband, he was my fiance at the time. Uh, he came to me and he said, so Julie, are you going to homeschool when you and John have kids? And I said to him, home what? Home what? (laughs) He said homeschool where you teach your kids at home. And then he launched into this sort of, you know, uh, subversive approach to education that would keep the government from a communist takeover, like kind of that, you know, big inflated language. But the part that really stuck with me at the time was he talked about educating your kids at home in a custom designed way that would really promote the bonding of the family and that would allow children to have a really flexible and exciting education. And so by the end of his you know, infomercial for homeschooling, I said to him, yeah, I, I think I'll do that. And then wow. he turned to John and he said, she's all right. I like her. So <laughs> it was sort of like before anyone was doing it. Um, and we were living abroad. So a lot of the people who were expatriates homeschooled because they didn't want their kids to attend right. a school that wasn't in English or whatever. Mm-hmm. But by the time I started, we had moved back to the United States. And by then, I had met other homeschoolers. Uh, my husband's sister homeschooled her kids. I had read all these books about education that really appealed to me. Uh, for those of you in LA, you might know, I grew up in the Los Virgines School District, which is out in Malibu Canyon. And it was back in the 60s and 70s with all these hippies for teachers. Wow. And so our educational environment was really creative and allowed me to experience self-directed learning and immersive learning. Mm-hmm. And that's what stood out to me when I studied homeschooling. So suddenly I thought, well, it doesn't seem like schools do what I had as a kid, but I want my kids to have that. So that's really what got me into home education.
0: Wow, I love that. And what a, what a cool moment to be learning too in Los Angeles. I feel like the 60s and the 70s must have been so amazing out here. I long for that.
1: (laughs) No, in fact, I'll tell you a story because it's actually in my book that I share a little about it, but it's such an epitome of what education could be and actually was for me. So when I was Mm. in seventh grade, I had a social studies teacher who had been in the first iteration of the Peace Corps in India. So she would wow. show slideshows. shows, you know, this is before the internet, this is before television was really broadcasting a lot of live stuff. So these photos still are in my memory because mm-hmm. it was so exotic. Um, and so over the course of that year, she wanted us to have immersive experiences. So at one point we were studying, I believe it was the Aztecs, and she decided that we should make clay pots that looked like Aztec pottery. So she brought in all of these pictures for us to copy, and we made our own clay, and then we painted it, and it got fired. You know, we were just so alive to this cool experience. So we come back after the firing has been done, like maybe over a weekend, and we come back to our desks, and each of our desks has our little fired, beautiful clay pot, and there's a hammer next to it. She's like, now I need you to smash it. Wow. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, I need you to break it into pieces. So we obediently break it into pieces and she comes by with a shoebox for each pot and puts it in the box and takes it away. Won't tell us why. So we're all left with this weird mystery. And the next day we come back to school. This was at Arthur Edward Wright, A.E. Wright Middle School in Malibu Canyon, back before it was all developed. And she had taken all of our pots and buried them. In the field behind the school, and put cardboard to indicate the sedimentary layers, and then Mm -hmm. organized us into archaeology teams. And we had to do our own dig, figure out what sediment layer they were in, and then we came back to the classroom, reassembled them with glue, and created a museum display. Like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah.
0: Is that public school? Or was that public school? school. Wow, that's incredible. And the fact that you remember it that clearly now is just such a testament to kids are absorbing everything, you know, and there's so many opportunities and, you know, just even when you're talking, it just lights me up because there's so much opportunity for that and we're just in a broken system and the teachers, you know, it's not the teacher's fault either. It just, you know, something really woke me up this year. I mean, there's been a lot of things, which I won't go into all the layers, but just, kind of seeing on the faces when I go to school, like no one looks that happy, you know, mm. and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, mm. And I just think it's, you know, overcrowded classrooms, the teachers aren't getting paid enough. I mean, they're dealing with so many different personalities and now, you know, disabilities and all of it. And, um, you know, but there, there can be a way that it can be different, you know, and that's what I'm really wanting to delve into. So I have your book. I've been listening to your audio book, which uh I highly recommend to everyone listening, The Brave Learner. Thank you. And um, so, okay, so you got into the idea of doing it. And then how did you, did you start with the curriculum? Can you kind of explain to people actually, before we dive into that, the difference between homeschooling and unschooling? Because I feel like there's confusion within that realm.
1: Yeah. So home education means that the parents are taking responsibility for providing the education for their children. And then there are lots of different philosophies of learning that are embraced by the huge variety of homeschoolers that there are. So there are some who use like an online K-12 public school model, all the way to parents who use no sort of um, pre-created curriculum, like, you know, prefab curriculum. And those would be the unschoolers. And then in between... There is every variety you can think of. There are classical educators who like to work with, you know, the original documents from ancient Greece and work their way forward to modern times and sort of focus on Latin and the grammar stage and logic stage and rhetoric stage of learning. There are parents who follow this British educator named Charlotte Mason, who is about literature and art and nature and creating this sort of um, naturally uh, enriched context for learning for children. And then it just, I mean, I could go on and on. There are Waldorf moms and Montessori moms and eclectic moms and dads. There are now more dads homeschooling than there ever used to be, but it is still largely women. Yeah. But here's what I would say to you. Before you begin, you don't need to know what kind of homeschooler you want to be. The most important thing to do when you begin is to give yourself the freedom. To experiment and fail, experiment and fail, because there is no outcome that will satisfy you while you're homeschooling. I mean, I know that sounds really dramatic, but what I'm saying is this is a living, breathing relationship. So imagine you're married. Can you imagine saying about your marriage on this day, okay, I need to know that it's working? Like every day is another experience of understanding better how to be married to each other. Homeschooling is exactly like that. It's a relationship. It is not a set of expectations that you enforce with a predetermined outcome. And so for parents who are coming from traditional schooling, homeschooling is a massive shift. It can be the most wonderful shift. And this is what we're hearing from a lot of these suddenly at-home schoolers. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm around my children. It's actually enjoyable. I see the light bulb coming on." Am I doing enough? Am I doing it right? Is happiness a big enough sign that we could actually master Algebra 2 when they turn 16? And I'm wow. here to say yes. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But it's a journey in time. So the first thing that you do is you just figure out what the legal requirements are in your state. That's the first thing you do. In California, California. You either have to notify the state and become your own little private school just for your family, or you can join a charter school that supports home education. And those are the two most common ways that they do it in California. I live in Ohio, and the way that we do it here is we notify our local school district by filling out a form you can download online, and then at the end of the year, you either take the standardized test or as I did and lots of homeschoolers do, you meet with a certified educator who looks at your portfolio for the year, tells you what a great job you've done. It's show and tell. And then they send a record saying she
0: actually homeschooled her kids this year. So each state's different, but that's Mm -hmm. where you begin. Okay. And they're just websites you can Google and find?
1: that. Absolutely. And every state will have them. I even recommend one of the best ways to start is to look for a local expression of homeschooling, whatever city you're in. uh, Facebook is a great place to start. There are literally more homeschooling groups in LA than you could possibly be a part of. So get very granular, like I'm in Northern Mission Viejo, right? right. Like really <laughs> pick the location. Yeah. And then even if they're not your exact cup of tea, like let's say you're a secular atheist and you stumbled on a very conservative Christian group, no big deal. They mm-hmm. are going to at least be able to point you in the right direction. Right. Simply go to that group and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm looking for. And the experts are those who are already doing it. And they'll Mm -hmm. be able to help you find those resources. You can certainly Google, you know, states now have rules around homeschooling. So the state website itself will actually tell you or your local school district. You know, when I started, nobody even knew what it was. I remember taking my son Noah to the pediatrician when he was six. And the doctor said, so Noah, you're lucky to get out of kindergarten for the day. And Noah said, what is kindergarten? Mm-hmm. and i turned to the doctor and said i'm sorry <laughs> he's homeschooled he doesn't know and then the pediatrician said to me what's homeschooled wow so literally wow. in 1991 it the culture didn't even know what it was yet so today everyone knows so yeah. there's a, an abundance of information
0: so start there how did oh you, know. how did you i mean I'm envisioning like you're a warrior mom because I'm sure you got some backlash. I mean, how did you just know and trust yourself and trust the journey that it all unfolds so bravely?
1: I was fortunate. I lived in a neighborhood with another family. So we had lived abroad, as I had said. uh, And one of the families in Morocco, one of those families moved back to California with us. And her kids were just a little older than mine. And she had already started homeschooling while they were in Morocco. So I was fortunate. I write about Dottie in The Brave Learner, which is my book, Mm -hmm. and we formed this little bonded community. Uh, And so that gave me some courage. So I highly recommend finding a friend or finding a group because you will need social connections for you. You're going to need someone to agree that today was a wash and a terrible day and you'll still be okay. And then you'll need someone to celebrate your wins. You know, oh my gosh, after two years of not reading, she finally read. So finding a local person is helpful. Uh, The second thing that I think I've done well my whole time is I've read a lot about education theory, but I wasn't trained in education. My academic background was at UCLA and I was a history major. So it wasn't like I had been trained to think about pedagogy but I got interested in it. And I read a lot of stuff. I didn't just read homeschooling books, although those are really valuable, but I started reading stuff that was for teachers because here's what's really interesting. I'm going to let you in on a secret. A lot of homeschoolers don't realize the professional educators have done a lot of research into what turns the lights on in the hardest context, a classroom. Think about it. It's a non-relative in the front of the room, confined to one room with desks, with a certain program to get through. And they've got to think of of a way to make it magical, to turn the lights on, to keep everyone buying in. A lot of their strategies won't apply, but the ones that do work better at home because it's a smaller group of people. You have the natural bonds of love between parent and child and you can adapt it to the suitability of the home. It's not a classroom container. So I liked reading about education, not just homeschooling, and kind of getting a sense of what it means to be
0: a learner. That was really important to me. I love that. Yeah, getting the broad view. Yes. And that's something that I feel like so many people question, and we've even had in our own home of like, you know, will my oldest, who's almost nine, will she be able to learn from us in the same way? Um, Just- solely based on not even our teaching ability, but just that need to kind of rebel against your parents or, you know, fight back, like, I don't want to do this and get in this like whiny tantrum thing. And that just seems like such a common thing that could happen, or maybe we're just projecting that that's what's going to happen. And how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you kind of disengage as the mom trying to get through the lesson plan?
1: So it's, actually true that homeschooling parents deal with whiny complaining children. <laughs> <laughs> we are not, you know, immune right. to the parenting struggles of all other parents, but here's what's different. Because we're together 24/7, we work on it a lot, and we work on it for the joy and success of the child. So I spend a lot of time in my book and in the teaching that I do and in the work that I do talking about strategies that create the most Opportunity for a child to buy in. And what we're talking about when we hear whining or complaining, whether a child's in school or not, is that the authority figure in the life of the child has somehow lost connection with how that child values what you're asking them to do. So if we say something, just to take a very simple example, my kids used to walk in the house, kick off their shoes, and go straight into the family room. So there was constantly a trail of shoes down the hallway right mm-hmm. so then if i would say hey pick up your shoes and put them away sometimes i got blowback because for them the meaningfulness of moving the shoes into the bin did not exist so now this is just <laughs> an authoritarian complaint against my little rebellious children who don't want to conform to my expectations so i had to start looking at what was i really about in this case was it about controlling them did I really think that this was more respectful behavior for me? If that's the case, could I own it? I remember at one point saying to my kids, oh my gosh, I cannot think straight and it's not your fault, but there are a lot of shoes in the hall. Does anyone want to help me get back to feeling okay in this space? Can mm-hmm. someone help me? Which is so different than, hey, yeah. don't leave your shoes out. I can't believe you would do that to me, right? Yeah. homeschooling's the same thing, whether it's math, whether it's language arts one of the main strategies that we use when we're teaching is to value the child's contribution to the collaborative nature of learning. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, do these 20 math problems, and then your child rolls his eyes and kicks his shoes and gets irritated, you might say, hey, it's time for math. How many problems do you have energy for today? How many do you think you can do with full concentration and perform at your top, your top speed, your top ability? And then listen, because guess what? We all have variable energy. And helping our kids start to become self-aware about that. And what's really crazy is when you ask your kids, especially the ones who are irritated with you already, they're going to test you. They're going to say zero or one. Mm -hmm. But if you take them at their word and then try again the next day, they start to see that you actually mean this. And one day they're going to exceed the number they told you and be impressed with themselves. So it's actually reformatting the relationship around this shared collaborative goal rather than doing education to the child.
0: I'm so excited to share a product that I've been using. The past couple of months, I've been using NED full spectrum hemp oil and CBD oil, as many of you might know. And I've been using the Natural Cycles Kit with my Moon Cycle, which is four different products. Um, there's a beautiful belly balm. They call it the period soothe salve. There's a hormone energized roll on, which smells delicious. I've been using it as perfume and it just helps me keep my energy high during the day and calm has all the yummy things. I love frankincense, Lang Lang, clary sage, as well as a couple other things. And then there's a daily period ease blend. And the thing that really I adore and obsessed with, I use it two to three times a day Is the Hormone Balance Blend, CBD oil, full spectrum. It has greatly been helping with my anxiety and helping me sleep at night and with no side effects. I've been trying to find the right CBD oil for my body in the past couple of years now. And I'm so sensitive to any THC or drugs or alcohol or anything like that. So even if there's a little bit of THC Um, I really feel hungover the next day. In this full spectrum, there's like a teeny, teeny minuscule amount of THC um, just to help activate um, the hemp oil. But it's really incredible. I love this company. It's all organic. A lot of women work on the team, which, of course, you know, I love. And um, for a lot of you, you probably already know about CBD oil. You may have been using it, but for those of you that it's new for, It's a great addendum to your toolbox of healing tools. It's a great sleep aid. It's used to treat insomnia. It acts as an anti-inflammatory, natural pain reliever. Helps to treat anxiety, PTSD, depression. It's a rich source of antioxidants. And also an amazing addendum for chronic conditions such as epilepsy, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and many more. Um, This company is totally legit clean 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 there's nothing in it except for full spectrum hemp oil the hemp extract and the organic MCT oil that's it there's nothing else in it and i love that this says on in their information ned energetically infuses all of its products with binaural beats positive affirmations and happy vibes and i really do feel like the way that plants are treated the way that they're harvested the intention that's brought to them the people working with the plants it all matters and i Really stand behind this company. I stand behind this product. It has changed my moods. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Mother the Mother audience. Go to wwwhellonedcom capital MTM or enter code capital MTM at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. That's helloned.com slash MTM to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. I'm so excited for you guys to get this opportunity to try it. Please reach out if you have any questions, sending love, J Ma. Per usual, parenting really brings up our triggers and our programming. And I think that's what's so interesting about this time of quarantine is we're all being called to look at our patterns and when our fuses just Explode, and it's some. It can be something so little, and it's um. I just, it's kind of exciting to think about homeschooling and looking at educating and and looking back over my own education because I had a great grade school experience. I was in this beautiful private school in Nashville, and it was so idyllic. I don't even know if that exists anymore. What I was wow. privy to, and um, I hated high school, but um, you know, just looking back, there are ways. It's that teacher connection and it's that joy of learning, which is all about yes. the homeschool. You know, that's what I remember. It's not all of the other things. And some, something just jogged my memory when you're talking. I can't remember where I read it, maybe Instagram, that the testing that we do in schools. It's like always testing like a relationship, like that would get so annoying if you're in a marriage and every day you're like, how are we? What's going on? Are we okay? Are we okay? You know, do we need to go to therapy? What's happening? And that's basically what we're doing to our kids. Like that is so annoying and so boring. Yes. Yes. In
1: fact, one of the things to remember about school is that the teacher and the child cannot have enough connection to reassure the teacher that learning is happening because there are just too many children for that instructor. You know, for grade school, it's about thirty kids per teacher. But when you get to high school, it's one hundred and twenty-five. Wow! So, how could you possibly know if they really read the book, right? If they really enjoyed it, if they really got anything out of it? So, testing is a tool of evaluation to communicate back to parents that the child is making progress according to whatever you know pace and expectation the the you know school district set, right? but homeschooling is process-oriented. It's observation, not evaluation. You know if your child read the book. They were sitting on the couch, you saw them. <laughs> right. You can talk about the book over dinner. You don't need a book report. You can talk about the book on the way to the orthodontist. You can actually give up a book partway through because your child finds it so dull and thereby prevent them hating reading because all they ever get to read are dull books. You can make judgment calls that actually facilitate that love relationship. Mm -hmm. And because you're in observation mode, then your job isn't to evaluate. It's to support in sort of this micro way their development. So I'll give you an example of that. Uh, I had a daughter who really struggled with reading. She was my youngest. There are five kids. She still wasn't reading at age eight, at age eight and a half, at age nine. And suddenly I was worried, like, you know, I had four other kids that I had successfully taught. It was becoming kind of a fraught subject. I thought maybe we had missed our window Uh, and it it became really a big issue. So I finally, I just backed away. She seemed smart in every other way, such strong vocabulary, could do math, was filling notebooks with what she called writing voluntarily, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, couldn't read it because it wasn't real words. And one day um, I started working on Greek for myself. I was in graduate school and I was studying ancient Greek and she saw me working with the alphabet. So I said, well, you love writing, want to copy these letters. Then we made place cards for Thanksgiving and I was sounding out our names and trying to pick the right alphabet letters. And one day she went upstairs, pulled out an article about Jessica Simpson (laughs) and read it right before she turned 10. And here's what she reports today. By the way, this same daughter has a degree in linguistics and speaks four languages as wow. an adult. So I want you to oh hear my this whole weird story. Wow. So when I ask her about it now, here's what she says. I didn't see anyone around me sounding out words, so I thought it was cheating no matter what you told me. The whole family was fluent at reading, and I wanted to just be able to read. She said, but when you started studying Greek, I saw you sounding out, and I was like, oh, oh, so this is real.
0: And then she went and read. Unreal. That's so cool.
1: But Uh, That gives
0: me chills.
1: Yes. And she went from not reading to like Harry Potter in six months. Wow. Right? So what I'm trying to say is homeschooling creates this other sort of environment where that might look like she's a problem child behind, but no, she's incredibly intelligent. Mm
0: -hmm. In fact,
1: I remember before she could actually read words, we were reading an Arthur book Okay. One of
0: those little like, oh yeah, I love Arthur books.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I'm reading the words, not really looking at the pictures. And one of the lines was, Arthur and his friends stood in line in alphabetical order. And I was getting ready to turn the page and Catrin, at age eight and a half, not reading yet says, they're not in alphabetical order. Wow. And I said, what? (laughs) And then we start looking at him and she says all the names and they clearly were not. So there was no wow. problem with her brain. Yeah.
0: It was a social condition. And you think in school, would that have gotten picked up? No, it would have been so punitive and it, yes. you know, possibly could have scarred her and yes. her intelligence for life. I mean, right. ugh, God, it just makes me so sad for so many kids that are in this broken system. But that's such a testament to letting them flourish you know, exactly. and, and respect them as individuals. I love that. And-, and, and- you had five kids and were getting a graduate degree? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, um, I, <laughs> I was running a new business in grad school and homeschooling. Wow. But um, at one point, you know, not the whole time. Uh, but I'll tell you, grad school for me was a really illuminating experience. I think it contributed deeply to my homeschool. In fact, my middle child of the five, uh, when I was in grad school, he was in early high school years and late uh, late junior high, and he credits his career today to conversations we had when I was in grad school. So I was studying theology at the time, and I was involved in a lot of social justice uh, information and learning about the history of social issues. And so we were watching stuff about World War II's Holocaust and racism in America and the rel- the rise of Um, Fundamentalism around the globe and those kinds of issues and we were watching these documentaries I remember we watched one about debt in Jamaica and I watched it with my son when he was a sophomore in high school And one day I was working on my master's thesis and he asked me to talk to him about it He was just curious. He's like, well, what are you writing about and what about these writings? And I read him a passage from the book that was the book I was using for this thesis and it was about human suffering. And today he's a human rights lawyer in Thailand. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Chills again. Oh my I know. God.
1: And so uh. you want to keep your own love of learning alive mm-hmm. around your children. This is your biggest contribution to their vision of what their life can be. Nobody wants a mother who's a martyr. Yeah. Nobody wants someone doing homeschool that is, quote, selfless and only for the kids. What they yeah. need to see is such an, an awesome vision of adulthood, they can't wait to get there. Mm, so you devote that. yourself to your child, but you also become the person you are destined to be so that they have a model for what it looks like when they get there.
0: Mm, just mad props to you. I love that so much. How, just logistically, how do you do that? So by this time, I mean, I'm sure with each child and as the right. years progressed, you, you got kind of a curriculum going or your own, like how logistically, because that was one of the questions that people were asking me, you know, how do you work part-time or full-time? How do you manage yes. this? Like, how do we do that?
1: So there are some good ideas I can offer you, but just remember that each family situation is unique yeah. and you'll have factors that I can't think of but let me sort of stimulate your imagination and then maybe you'll find the solution that's right for you. So there were some years where my kid's dad was also freelance. So we were both home and I would work you know, with the kids in the morning while he was working. And then you know, I'd, he, I'd work in the afternoon and he'd hang out with them. I used hours. My work was flexible. I wasn't a nine to five person. I was you know, working around the margins. So I'd either get up early before kids woke when they were young or when they were older, and then when they were young, I'd stay up late after they were in bed. So there's that dynamic. I hired at one point a a mother's helper to come into the house every Wednesday, and then I would have the afternoon to work while she stayed downstairs with the kids because I wanted to be available if a baby or a toddler needed me. So those are some of the solutions I tried. Um, I also worked weekends. Again, I was an entrepreneur, so I had a lot more flexibility of schedule So I might work a whole Saturday while John took the kids to Disneyland when we were in LA or somewhere like the zoo in Ohio. Uh, And then in terms of just like a daily routine, I pretty much blocked out the mornings. Like from the time we got up until after lunch, maybe an hour after lunch, I didn't take phone calls, didn't go on the computer. I tried to give my full attention to that part of the day. And then when I was doing grad school, I took night classes and I did my papers on the weekends. So these are some of the solutions. I did give my, I think, primary energy to homeschool while my kids were homeschooled. Mm -hmm. But I found ways to incorporate. So what's going on now where a lot of people worked outside the home and they're suddenly at home and they're doing home education at the same time, you guys are going to come up with solutions I haven't even thought of. Um, You might have a friend you can swap with. You might be able to... Um, give your children online school in a way that wasn't available for me because the internet was brand new in 96, you know, I mean, those first several years, we didn't even have the internet, let alone online classes. So there can be opportunities. Um, One thing that I did employ is in my family, I made sure that if I needed a concentrated amount of time to do work, that we scheduled something they were really looking forward to doing during that time segment that they didn't need me for. Mm-hmm. Usually it was video games or TV, not going to lie, yeah. but how great. Now yeah. they could look forward to 2 p.m. Because totally. they knew from 2 to 5, they were going to play or watch TV, hang out with each other, and I could actually work in peace. Yeah. And then when I was with them,
0: I was really with them. Mm-hmm. So I love those are a few ideas. Yeah. Those are great ideas. Um, yeah, I've really been looking at that. I would want some help or uh, actually my kids right now are across the street with an LAUSD teacher. She's our neighbor and she's incredible. And they were like starved for other people. Yes. Yes. (laughs) They're so excited to go out. So having something like that even once or twice a week or getting a co-op of moms. I mean, I don't know if my, my youngest is two and a half and if the play schools are even going to be open, I mean she was just doing a couple hours a couple of days a week, but just creating our own. I'm actually really excited about it. and alternating or having a mother's helper, like you said. And I think something to get really clear on too for myself is um taking what I'm not really wanting to do off my plate. So yes. maybe that's cleaning the kitchen, you know, while I'm with the kids doing some learning or whatever it is, just to like really help, not just add more and more to our plates a
1: good good plan. And I will tell you, and those listening who don't know this, homeschoolers form co-ops mm-hmm. in about a hundred different ways. I was in a co-op with a hundred families wow. in Ohio. So wow. there were 300 children and there were four hours a day and the te- the parents were all the teachers and we spent the whole day there, but we only had to work two of the hours. So two hours a week, I got to chit chat with mom's, without hiring so a babysitter, nice. wow. without having to feel like I was taking time away from my children. Meanwhile, they were getting to be with other kids and learn from other moms. Like my kids all took biology in the co-op with moms who were nurses. They did Ugh, love 10 that. dissections. Wow, like That never happens in public school, no. right? Mm-mm. And I taught theater. We did wow. Shakespeare. It was Oh, so much Amazing. fun. So just know that there are parents, I used to swap math and writing with one of my friends. So she taught advanced math. I taught essay writing to her kids. So there are lots of
0: resources within the community. Mm, I love that. And was that actually at a school structure that you rented or was how did that work? It was at a church. The mm-hmm. mom who
1: started it did it at her church facility, which was huge, but they exist at YMCAs. They exist in other public buildings. Not everything is religious. They're Religious right. homeschooling was really the biggest for a long time. It's not as much now, yeah. but you will find that there, and, and my first co-op was just five families. So it was me plus four others. And I would meet, this was awesome. I would meet with the moms once a month at Mimi's Cafe in Yorba Linda, and we would um, plan that month. And oh, we cool. rotated each month. One family hosted a learning party. We always called them parties because kids want to go to parties. And so we would pick the theme and then that family would prepare the party and we would do it on a weekend so the dads could come. And so that meant 10 parties a year with That's your so five nice. families you love. Oh, I love that. We did a big medieval feast. We did something for birds. We did...
0: A gold rush party for California history was awesome. That is so cool. And I love that just that village idea because I don't want to be the only adult or my husband ought to be the only adult in our kids' lives. Like I grew up in the South and also, you know, I'm 42 now. And it was so I mean, parents didn't get offended if other parents said things to your kids. Like now I feel like there's so much PC, you know, it gets a little complicated, but I really feel like kids need to learn from other people. Um, And I love that idea and really using the community because there's, I mean, in LA, there's so many interesting people doing so many different things. So, I mean, it could be just so rich, so rich. Well,
1: and you forget that the community is excited to show itself to your children. Like when I lived in LA, I took up guitar at one point And, uh, because I had always wanted to play, I've always had something going while I homeschool. And so anyway, we went shopping for a guitar and I brought my child with me and the guy I bought my guitar from had potbelly pigs. So we like had this big (laughs) potbelly pig moment. And then I got interested in how my guitar was made. And so we found uh, a place that made them from scratch and it became like a field trip. And my kids came with me and we went and looked. So, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. it, it's not just that they have to be in a classroom. Right. They're going to learn from adults at the La Brea Tar Pits. They're going to learn from adults. Uh, my son became really interested in astronomy here in Cincinnati, and we have one of the oldest observatories in the country. Mm. I started attending the astronomy lectures with my son when he was 10. He was the mm. only kid in there. It's all these old dudes, <laughs> and they're showing him how to use the big telescopes. That's what homeschooling offers. That's what you can do. It's You have time for it.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're just such a testament because you live by that notion of always being the student, which I think is so important, you know, modeling that to our kids. Um, Because why do they want to learn if we are at night, all of us on our TVs, you know? They're going to want to be on their video games. Like they're modeling everything from us. Hi, ladies. I wanted to let you know about a new... Skincare line I'm using called Clear Stem Skincare. It is a non toxic, zero hormone disruptor, all natural new skincare line that is geared towards anti aging and anti acne, which are two of the things that I need for my 40 plus year old skin. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been a little lax in the skincare face game during quarantine just because of my little free time with the kiddos. But um, I've been using, since I received it, their vitamin scrub. It's a vitamin C scrub, and it's incredible. It's an awesome all-natural exfoliator. And when you finish, your face just feels super smooth and brightened. It's like it kind of just gets rid of that dullness. Um, I've been using that as well as a couple of their serums at night. And honestly, I love everything I've been using. Um, they are woman-run and created company. You can go on their website and read all about their stories, but I really love that. They, they met, one was running an acne clinic and the other was having adult acne and was a holistic nutritionist. And they teamed up together to start this company to offer real results that weren't affecting your fertility, weren't affecting your immune system, weren't affecting your ongoing health. Because as we know, the unclean products we use in our skin affects the entire rest of our body. So this is definitely a company I get behind. They're being very generous and offering a code to all of the mother the mother audience. If you're interested, you can go to their website and it is Clear s t e m skincare dot com. That's clear c L-E-R S-T-E-M S-K-I-N-C-A-R-E.com. Skin clear stem skincare dot com. And use Mother the Mother at checkout, which is capital M-T-M. That's the code for most of the products that I will be sharing. M-T-M is the code at checkout for 10% off of your products. And you will also receive 15% off of their Ditch Your Acne course, which is a new course that has already helped thousands of women. So if you're struggling with acne right now, if you're going through hormonal upheaval, check out Clear Scum. It is a great company and I am just really excited about the results that I've seen thus far. So many questions. Okay. Okay. So if we're just, so for those that are opening up to this idea, do you think that we need, and I, I know this is like a, an individual thing, so it's probably hard to be a mass generalization, but. Is it helpful to have some sort of written curriculum as we start this, or does it totally depend on the age of our kids? Like, if we're really realistically looking at doing this for the fall, because I know in LA, I just heard, got word last night that it looks like LAUSD is going to be remote for at least a couple of months. And then it's going to be half the classes, and they're reducing a lot of classes because more are homeschooling. So, I mean, this is not something that's just like automatically ending mid August. Right. So I'm glad you
1: asked that question because the first step is to figure out your state laws, but then the second step is really like, okay, but what do I do on Monday morning? Right.
0: Exactly. Like, how do I start so... this thing? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do I just like start talking about learning? I mean, where do I find all these amazing materials? So, it's hard to start from scratch. That's why I recommend finding a community that will expose you to the variety of curriculum Of course, I own a company called Brave Writer, bravewriter.com, and we have programs that are meant to help you understand how to bring writing and language arts and reading into your family's home in this natural literature bathed context so that it's not just making it up as you go. Right. What I like to tell parents is, I always wanted a dialogue partner. I wanted to be able to give my kids what I was learning, not just what had been predetermined that they were supposed to learn. So when I would use curriculum, I saw it as a resource, not as a taskmaster. So to shop for it, if you're thinking, okay, so how do I find this amazing curriculum? The first place to start, in my view, is just with the three R's. You want to start with, okay, what are we going to read? What are we going to do for math? And how are we going to encourage the growth of writing? History and science are important too, but if you just start with those three, you're off to a good place. And if you have children who are in elementary school, I have one of my best friends in homeschooling is to say, isn't it amazing how we agonized over first grade math books? Like they teach adding and subtracting. Like how different are they from each other? So what's more important than the book is starting to develop this philosophy of how you're going to grow this learner. And for me, um, The Brave Learner, my book, is really designed to kind of help you think that through. What kind of learning environment do you want to create for your children? And then you can start Googling homeschool resources. And of course, I have a homeschool community called the Homeschool Alliance, where we are going to do a four-week on-ramp. To how to homeschool for all these suddenly at homeschoolers. Oh my goodness! Yes, and that will start (laughs) in August. Yes, Yes. I'm writing it right now. Oh my God! And it will give you kind of like literally. Well, what is day one? What is day two? What is a reasonable expectation for what we can do for our children? Um, How to shop, but that is the kind of thing that I know is missing because for me, I came through the door of home educators. But a lot of you are not. Your your relationship isn't with a homeschooler. It's with a child that you want to homeschool. And that is a different experience. Mm -hmm. So I want to be there for you as best I can. But Brave Writer for writing and reading is a fantastic place to start. I mean, we've really built a program that I think uh, helps. Here's my philosophy. My goal from the beginning when I started Brave Writer was to coach parents in how to be home educators who teach writing and reading, as opposed to here's a program that teaches your kids how to read and write. Do you hear the subtle difference? Yes, it's a big difference. Yes, so I've been about the educator from the beginning. That is our number one goal because if you say you wanna homeschool, I'm assuming you don't just wanna be like an academic coordinator who's hiring seven teachers. Yeah, that sounds horrible.
0: (laughs) Right. I, in fact, like, I, I didn't sign up to be a school. Like if I wanted to do that, I would have been an administrator. Um, okay. I'm so excited you're doing that because I've been trying to piece together and I've gone down the rabbit hole of your website. And the Alliance really is like a hub, a starting point. So I'm really excited that you're going to be doing an intro or how, to, how that we can all intro together.
1: Yeah. So the Homeschool Alliance is a part of our bigger overarching mission. So we've started, you know, with writing, but what I discovered in the last maybe seven, eight years is that home educators needed to grow. I felt like they had forgotten about professional development. So I built a community based on what I wished I had had when I was homeschooling, which was recurring once a month webinars where we invite someone to speak on math or to speak on science. Or to talk to us about sibling rivalry, Mm, or to help us with child's motivation, or how to deal with children suffering from (laughs) trauma who need brain breaks in order to survive. Like all the aspects. In fact, I think we even have a month where we talked about husband and wife sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. Like we Mm -hmm. have been very interested in the whole person of the educator. And so we've built this library of webinars and resources. And then we also have every month, a lesson plan built from an extracurricular topic to give you a model of how you create these sort of um, homemade natural learning experiences around a subject like weather or music or history or cooking. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, a big wide range or handmade product projects. And the purpose of this community then is to provide hands-on support but then we also coach you. So we have a discussion board where you can write and say, you know, hey, I have a nine-year-old who's not reading yet. I'm scared to death. What am I doing wrong? How can I get help to make this better? And we have coaches who've raised their kids to adulthood in homeschooling who give you the feedback you want, which is, well, here's what I would have done if I had done it differently, and here's what you can do, and here's what you don't know yet. So the Alliance is a perfect location to
0: come if you want that sort of ongoing hand-holding. That's so amazing because I can just imagine myself like hitting some glitches and then wanting to talk to someone or like find a therapist I like, but it, it's not really, yes, yeah, so I can go just talk to a therapist that doesn't know anything about homeschooling. That's incredible oh. that it's actually in the realm and holding your hand and coaching you through it. How did you find those people? So I started with the books that have helped me the most. So
1: I was. What we do each month is we pick a reading, and we schedule a webinar to discuss the reading. But if it's somebody who's living and breathing, and we invite them, and they say yes, then they come and actually talk on the topic. That's so. so cool. That's how we've done it, and I just keep picking readings. And now, of course, I have a director who runs the alliance for us, so she does a lot of the lineups. But like last month, just in May of um, 2020. We had someone come and talk about alternative paths to college and adulthood for high schoolers. Mm -hmm. It was so rich. Uh, We've had people in this last year talking about parenting dynamics, talking about particular, like we had someone, I think it was in March or February, talking about natural math. How do you Mm -hmm. make math concrete for children
0: at home? So it's practical. It's not just theoretical. That's so cool. And then, speaking of partnership, how do you like? So, if say I, I'm mostly going to be doing it, but my husband will, of course, want to be involved also, and he's yes. great at math and he's great in science and tech, so um, nice. he'll definitely have his his parts. But is it really important for us to be totally on the same page, like to have kind of our mission statement together, or can it be something that? kind of evolves or just accepting that we're both different because we do, we are very different people. um, And we just acknowledge that we're both going to be bringing very different things to our kids' education. Like how do you um, move through that?
1: Just like parenting. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about it, a lot of times we don't have identical parenting styles when we're married either. Mm So, (laughs) right. Right. Like there are times when you're like, honey, That is not the best way. Like what you just did (laughs) shamed our child and now they'll need therapy, 25 more dollars in the kitty, right? Um, I used to say to my kids, I can't promise I can pay for college, but I'll always pay for your therapy. That was our big (laughs) promise to them. And I've made good on it, by the way. Um, But the point is, you don't know your philosophy until you're doing it and Mm -hmm. it evolves over time and it needs to be a dialogue that you sustain, particularly if both parents are involved. Uh, the hardest, the hardest road to hoe with a um, shared homeschooling task, is what the kids feel about it. So let's say one parent is really rigid and they like having like these set goals, and we start right at two p.m. and there's no excuse for being late. And the other parent is like, wake up when you want, and we'll start it whenever. Kids find that confusing. Yeah. So you may want to get on the same page about that part of it, sort of the way you run the family. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the actual personalities, you know, if your one is really into math and has a way of doing it that you wouldn't think of, allowing them to have the freedom to teach it and take risks and discover what works is what homeschooling is. It's Mm -hmm. okay not to know in advance and to try things. Yeah.
0: How did you navigate the waking up thing? Because I have mixed, well, I'm all about sleep. So I'm like, we'll start whenever. My husband is different. He's an early riser. So, and his work will be more like, get up, get out. So how do you navigate that? Yeah,
1: so I definitely am a let people
0: sleep. Mm -hmm. So we usually would sleep
1: till we woke up. I had lots of babies over the years. So a lot of times that woke us all up anyway. But we slept until we woke up. And then I have this, way of starting the day that I think is really important. One, do not start the day with chores. Mm. You want to put everyone in a bad mood? Start the day telling people to do chores. Save those for some other time of the day. Number two, let people wake up. I used to, before the internet and cell phones, listen to a radio show for a half hour every morning while I drank a cup of tea and the kids played with their blocks or their dolls or their modeling clay. And we just kind of had this half hour where everybody was waking up. And once, you know, computers and cell phones came online, then I would be doing a half hour of checking email or a half hour of scrolling through social media. But the goal was to wake up. And Mm -hmm. my kids had the same freedom. Once that half hour was over, we'd eat breakfast and then go straight into read aloud time. And reading aloud was a gathering point for us. I would get in a rocking chair, they would sit on the floor, and I would start reading whatever amazing book we were reading. And that would lead us to this, okay, we're all together. We're moving forward through the day. So that method works for a lot of parents. Now, there are dads, especially dads who've been trained in the military Mm -hmm. or are really type A kind of business guys who are used to this sort of diligent structure. There are moms like that too, but I hear this a lot about dads. The thing to talk to them about is that this is a home. It's not a school. So school runs on structure because it's an institution. It's a building. It's a place we go. It has specific set of goals. It's many, many, many people to very, very few leaders. And so the structure creates the feeling and the environment that allows them to do their tasks. Right. But we come home to get away from that. You come home from work, you kick off your shoes, you take off your bra. Kids feel that intuitively about the home. So when you turn the learning space into the antithetical feeling of home, they resist, they whine, they complain. And all the lectures about how the real world doesn't operate this way fall on deaf ears because they know when it's time to go to the real world, they know how to conform to that, right. but the home is not where that happens. Mm-hmm. So I would start with that conversation with a spouse and say, yeah. how can we harness the properties of home? To support the learning, we're excited to see. Mm, I love is that. that. You know, maybe you have a compromise. You say we sleep as long as we can, but we never go past nine in the morning. Right. Yeah. Right. But we're yeah. not like we're getting up at six a.m. because that's what you'd do if you went to school. Right. That
0: kind of thinking. Yeah, totally. And then, how important have you found it to be to have a room in your home that is just for school? Like, is it important to make a classroom or? <laughs> take over the living room? These are the very best questions of
1: all time. So I got interviewed by the New York Times to talk about creating a homeschool room and space before he knew what I would say. He's an architect. (laughs) And so he's like, so what would you put in that homeschool room space? And I said, okay, listen, every homeschooler I've ever met starts with a homeschool space or room. And then within a month, homeschool is the whole house, right? right? (laughs) Because why would you sit every day at the same little table in the corner of your living room when there's a sectional or a bed, or -hmm. you could go sit outside on the deck, especially in LA, you could take homeschool outside on a blanket, right? In the middle of February. I mean, we don't get to do that in Ohio. So what you want to do, there's nothing wrong with having a dedicated space where you hang a map or you have a bulletin (laughs) board to showcase stuff, or where you keep all the supplies on rolling bins, or a big table that you could use for art projects. But do not expect to sit there four hours a day. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the biggest advantages you have is that you can tuck your children into the corner of a sectional, put a blanket in their lap, hand them a clipboard, and let them pet the cat while they're doing their math. Mm. That's what mm-hmm. home offers, that's what allows them to even be interested in doing math, right?
0: I love that, yeah, so inspiring I can that's such a great image, and my girls are always cozy. that's their favorite word is cozy. they're always finding the little corner and the blankies and their babies Yay. and reading, and that's what I want to encourage to learn that way and And I'm just so into it because you can really get your work done three to four hours and then do your extracurriculars, but it doesn't have to be this especially in LA with the traffic. Oh yeah. It's such a hustle. And I've loved that so much time in this quarantine time. And I hustle way less than most moms. I'm like, nothing is out of our neighborhood perimeter. Nothing. Because I'm not driving two hours to ballet class. No. That's just insane to me. So, um, But it's been so beautiful to even slow it down way, way more and just simplify.
1: Completely. And in fact, I think the thing that was really advantageous to me, I lived in Orange County when I first Mm. started homeschooling and we only had one car. So I didn't have a car. I couldn't even go anywhere. We didn't have television because we couldn't afford it. And we didn't have two cars because we couldn't afford it. We're living in a little condo and over time ended up with five kids in this tiny little condo in Placentia. But those are my favorite years of homeschooling because we could walk places. We mm-hmm. walked to the post office. We walked to this dry riverbed near Belinda where we gathered blackberries. Uh, we did so much stuff outside. I mean, yeah. a picnic blanket and handwriting on a clipboard or listening to a read aloud or doing the math, not just writing the math, right? Uh, I remember calling our neighbors and saying, okay, we're studying the solar system right now. Do you want to help us make the solar system with your kids? We need more people. So we got outside and we started measuring like how far apart if each mile was like half an inch or something. And I, you, you have to realize it gets very big, very fast. And when we realized that we'd have to put one of our kids two miles away at that scale to be Pluto, <laughs> wow. that we learned more from doing that than any book had ever taught us about mm-hmm. distance, the size of the universe. So taking advantage of being home is what homeschooling is about. It's not always
0: better out there. In fact, it often isn't. And then how did you deal with um, burnout Mm. and exhaustion? I mean, did you just tap out sometimes, be like, mom is going for some time? Okay. Yes. Uh, In fact, one of the things
1: that I started doing once the internet came into being, I started a discussion board for homeschool moms to talk about their own education So we were talking about books and movies and art museums and like every week one of us would do a Sunday art school is what we Mm. called it and we would pick an artist and then select a bunch of images and then we would discuss them. So we were all building up this like big curiosity. So I started meeting them individually sometimes or even I had a retreat at my house with all of them. I had 13 of them I'd never met, come to my house in 2001 before Avatars before pictures like I didn't know what they looked like people kept saying, you know How do you know they're not axe murderers? So we (laughs) named the retreat the reunion of axe murderers because you know (laughs) 2001 but anyway, my point is I started making time To go and feed my soul a lot of people think when you're burned out you start working on the homeschool But that's not what needs to happen When you're burned out, it means you've lost interest in life. So go get interested again in life. Go to an art museum. Go on a hike. um, Decide to train for marathons. I did that at one point. Like, pick something that inspires you. I remember before Instagram, I joined a group called the 365 a day or something. I forget the name. But we posted a photograph every day for a year. Mm. That gave me a point of focus for my day that wasn't just homeschooling, but it included right. homeschool. Mm-hmm. So to me, burnout means you stopped being
0: interested in your own life. Mm. So, yes. And then one other question, and because I know I, I could go on forever, but I want to be mindful of your time. Um, <laughs> as far as looking down the line, which, you know, I feel like. Right now is one of those times in life where we're realizing we can't look too far to the future anyway. Right. But for those that are worried or thinking about what does this look like for high school or college, can you shed any light on that? Because I have been seeing that more and more colleges are really open to homeschooling. And sometimes you even have a better chance of getting into great colleges from homeschooling. Like, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, pretty much every college in America now has guidelines for homeschool students to apply. I mean, that's just a revolution. And that's really just happened in the last 15 years. Uh, But it's every year, more of them. And of course, after this pandemic, it might even be more that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, What we know about applying to college is that it matters to showcase the uniqueness of your child's home education. So I'll give you an example. My oldest son, Noah, was homeschooled all the way through senior year, although To be fair, he kind of quit everything when he was 16, just said, No, I'm not doing anything you ask, and I'm not going to school. And I was like, Oh no, my first child. (laughs) And so, what was the first thing he did? He taught himself Klingon. Klingon. Wow. And that led to an interest in constructed languages and computer programming. And when it was time to apply to college, he didn't want to go. So, he took another year. And then one day he woke up and said, Actually, mom, I do want to go to college. I said, well, you only went up to Algebra 2. You never took chemistry. There's no way they're going to let you in. So I didn't want to be the person who had to spend $100 for an application that was going to be rejected. So I called the registration admissions people, and I told them his story. And I said, you know, he never did chemistry. He stopped at Algebra 2, but he's self-taught in constructed languages and Klingon. And the guy goes, well, what department does he want? And I said, linguistics. He goes, oh, they're going to love this. Definitely put Klingon on his transcript. (laughs) Amazing. And and I said, oh my gosh, really? He goes, absolutely. And I said, you know, he never even did two years of a true foreign language. He did one year of ASL, American Sign Language. He's like, yeah, that's okay. I said, but he never took chemistry. He said, well, the linguistics department doesn't care about that. Wow. Oh, did I feel betrayed Mm. by all the brainwashing I'd been through, by all the people who told me you had to have this stellar matching transcript to a traditional school. So he said, the main thing I needed to do was have him write an essay that described his journey in language so that they could see that he had this specific passion. So that's exactly what we did. And he got into the University of Cincinnati here locally, which is not a schlubby school, by the way. It's a good college. Yeah. So I share that with you just as one anecdote. But I have countless stories like that of where these students, because of their self-motivation and the uniqueness of their academic journeys, actually get access, especially to state schools and to private schools. Now, if we're talking Harvard or Yale, that's a different path and it does require a different level kind of of a homeschool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's still possible though, but you cannot make a child be interested in that. Right. is what I've learned. Right. My son, Jacob, the human rights lawyer, he ended up at Columbia Law. Hmm. The way he got there was his own motivation, right? Like He did Ohio State. He did internships at the UN. He's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants and fellowships and scholarships. And so when it was time to do the LSAT and then get admitted, he got admitted to Harvard and Columbia and he picked Columbia
0: wow. because they gave him a full ride. You can't make a child do that. That's just I, I get chills again. That's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, you must feel so good about yourself. I mean, like oh, no, I definitely really. I, I mean, I, that just oh. that's like <laughs> that's incredible life's work though. I mean, it's really it's so inspiring. Well, I'll tell you this, because this is equally important to know that there's never
1: a day as a parent, even of adult kids, that you don't doubt choices you've made. I'm divorced. So we had a hard time at a point in our family and Mm -hmm. there are cascading uh, realities from that that I still grapple with, with my kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, My oldest got into University of Cincinnati and then he quit three times, but- during his 20s, I'm holding on by my fingernails. Mm-hmm. Today, he's a self-taught <laughs> programmer, married and has a kid and is living a really good life. Yeah. My daughter, Johanna, who I really, really wanted to go to grad school and social work. She was leaning in that direction. She got accepted at UC Berkeley twice, gave it up to travel for two years around the world and now is a life coach in Mexico who surfs every day.
0: Like these wow. are, yeah. they are their own people. So, so unique. I love. Right. Yeah, it's really right. cool to see because you have yes. you know, five different ones. Really different
1: ones. Mm-hmm. And my fourth child had dysgraphia. He didn't write for years. He um, took four years of junior high because he wasn't ready for high school. He took a gap year after high school and traveled to Europe. And then he ended up at St. John's College Annapolis, which is a great books program, super challenging, mm-hmm. and, and did a great job. Wow. So homeschooling allows for all that is my point. Yeah. But there are oh my gosh, so many times when I didn't know if I was doing it right, where I prophesied doom over the choices of my children. I just want you to hear mm-hmm. how real it really
0: Yeah, it thank really you. Was. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes. It's not it gonna has be not just, just like unicorns all. every day. Yeah.
1: No, the one who went to Columbia Law sat me down as a sophomore in high school. He was homeschooled right before his sophomore year, took me out for dinner that I ended up paying for, by the way, <laughs> and said You've ruined my life by homeschooling me. I just want you to know that. Oh, man. But we had this incredible conversation about it. And now, all these years later, which is, what, 12, 14 years later, he totally sees the value of his home education, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know if he ever would. Mm -hmm. So every single journey includes this fraught feeling. That's why we need each other. We need our community to help bolster us. And, and I write about all those things in my book. You will see.
0: I'm, yeah. I try not to hold back. And I love that you also read your own book because it's so nice oh, hearing, thanks. you know, yeah. on Audible, hearing your own voice and as you share from the heart and your mind. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is just such a, a beautiful like starting point. And then you have so many great resources for us to follow up with. And I'm definitely joining that course in August. Yay. I'm definitely awesome. joining the Alliance. And whether we end up homeschooling in the fall or not, this is, you know, I feel like I can incorporate these notions into our lives regardless, you know? A hundred and fifty percent. When I wrote The Brave Learner, my
1: goal was for it to be a parenting book, not just homeschooling, but my audience is homeschooling. So the publisher was like, no, we've got to Mm -hmm. zero in on homeschool. But my vision was that you can enrich your child's education no matter what choice you make. And I think I truly
0: believe that. Yeah, I do too, and I just thank you so much for creating this container because, for for even thinking kind of outside the mold, much less moving outside the mold, and, and trying to really do this for our kids, we do need that support and just to know that we're not crazy and we're not weird, and that we're we're looking for more and yes. in new ways. And I think we all need that support throughout our whole you know motherhood journey. Yes, hundred percent. Still need it. Still need it always. Um, well, I think we should wrap because we've been going Great. a while, and I would love to have you back maybe in the fall once we're all Great. homeschooling. Great idea! I, <laughs> I saw some st- 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 some statistic that was saying like forty percent of families in the U.S. are now actually looking at homeschooling. So I mean, it's, there's going to be a big boom. Yeah, <laughs> oh gosh. it's it's a I lot. Mean,
1: we've noticed it in our community. Like we know how many returning customers we have and how many are new, and. It's off the charts right now. Those wow. numbers are flipped. We have far more new customers than returning and that's not how it used to be. So it's yeah. it's fascinating. I'm excited about it. I yeah. think it's really beautiful
0: that everyone who
1: was homeschool curious had this moment to test it. Yeah,
0: it it's pretty incredible. So the awakening. Yeah, this portal of time is really yeah. interesting. It's bringing so many new lessons. So if there's anything that you feel like sharing to close one Nugget of wisdom to share with moms that might be looking into this. Do you have anything to share? Yeah,
1: I think the main thing is to trust your relationship with your kids. That the bottom line for a homeschool life is that you're not trying to give them schooling, you're building a relationship that provides them an education. So, getting to know your children as they are and valuing and appreciating their uniqueness, their struggles, their Complete brilliance because they all have a unique brilliance. I've never met a mother who can't tell me their child is brilliant, even mothers of kids who have Down syndrome. Like they all tell me how smart their kids are. This is what you bring to the table that no teacher can ever bring. And it is enough. It's enough. If you bring this faith in your child, this fandom that no one else has, and
0: you keep building that relationship, the education will follow. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. That's the perfect thought to end on. Well, thank you for your work and your service. And it's just such a pleasure to have the time to talk with you. And thank you for agreeing to do this. I'm ever so grateful. Oh, you're welcome. I loved it.